0: You're
1: listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee.
0: And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's May 10th.
1: A new RAND analysis finds that, in 2017, the prices paid to hospitals by private health plans averaged 241% of what Medicare would have paid. The study compared prices of nearly 1,600 hospitals across 25 states and the medical claims of more than 4 million people. Notably, prices varied widely among hospitals and from state to state. For example, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, and Kentucky had average relative prices that were 150 to 200 percent of what Medicare would have paid. For Colorado, Indiana, Maine, Montana, Wisconsin, and Wyoming, it was 250 to 300 percent. Lead author Chapin White says this suggests that employers have opportunities to redesign their health plans to better align hospital pricing with the value of care provided to patients. Quote, employers can exert pressure on health plans and hospitals to shift from the current pricing system to one that is more similar to Medicare. If employers and health plans that participated in the study had paid hospitals using Medicare's formulas, total payments from 2015 to 2017 would have been $7 billion lower. That's a decrease of more than 50%.
0: Families and children from Central America have been arriving in growing numbers at the U.S. southern border. In fact, this group now accounts for more than 60% of the people encountered by agents on the border. This surge in immigration is happening despite policies and rhetoric by the Trump administration that have become increasingly hard-line. So, what's going on? Rand's Blas nunez Nato says one issue could be that most policies the administration has tried so far are not focused on families and unaccompanied children. But there are several common-sense options that Congress could consider to help address the humanitarian crisis. For one, legislators could create new processes that would allow some families to apply for visas to come to the U.S., while they are still in their home countries. If the influx of migrants from Central America is expected to continue, providing more legal mechanisms to enter the U.S. could help limit the number of people who make the journey to the border. Another option is to add capacity to the immigration court system. This could help reduce the significant backlog in asylum cases.
1: The CDC estimates that 130 Americans die every day from opioid overdoses. According to a new RAND study, this number could be reduced by allowing pharmacists to directly prescribe the opioid antidote naloxone. Some states have already passed laws that enable pharmacists to dispense naloxone without a doctor's prescription. In these states, fatal overdoses fell by an average of 27% in the second year after such laws were passed. And in later years, overdoses fell even further, by 34%. It's important to note that weaker laws, ones that expanded the use of naloxone but stopped short of giving pharmacists the authority to dispense the drug directly, did not have an impact on opioid-related deaths.
0: More than 250 people were killed in the Easter Sunday bombings that rocked Sri Lanka three weeks ago. Another 500 were injured. Before this tragedy slips from American attention, it's worth debunking several misconceptions, writes Rand's Jonah Blank. First, the attacks were not a continuation of Sri Lanka's civil war, as some believed. Second, they were not linked to supposed long-standing religious hostility in Sri Lanka. A third myth is that this sort of attack could not happen elsewhere. It could. And according to Blank, the fact that the bombings appear to have been directed by ISIS shows that this group is a global threat. The final and most dangerous myth surrounding the bombings is that they were retaliation for attacks on two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, just five weeks earlier. This is almost certainly false, says Blank. The Easter attacks in Sri Lanka were far too complex and sophisticated to have been coordinated in such a short time. However, he does point out that both attackers share a common goal, quote, to drive a wedge between Muslims and Christians worldwide and fuel a cycle of violence between communities across the globe.
1: Last week, President Trump and Democratic leaders agreed to pursue a $2 trillion infrastructure plan. But how would these funds be allocated to improve the nation's highways, railroads, and bridges? According to a 2017 RAND study, addressing the nation's most serious infrastructure problems will require a national consensus on priorities, and subsequently, targeted policy changes and spending. Here's the study's lead author, Deborah Notman.
2: While well, it's widely thought that everything is falling apart, that the country's infrastructure is not in good shape. The fact is that not everything is broken, and we need to focus on those things that are broken and, and develop the policies and the funding to fix them.
1: She goes on to explain the importance of focusing on long-term priorities, building resilience into projects to prevent damage from natural disasters, and improving regulatory efficiency. Here's Notman again.
2: Congress should pay particular attention to how it goes about improving the regulatory efficiency of the federal government. So there are opportunities going forward as we make new investments in uh, stormwater systems, in highways, in levees that we build for the future that we're going to likely see and not for past conditions. This is a big area of need and an opportunity to save money as we're spending money.
0: A new RAND report finds that there is a significant gap between stated U.S. defense strategy and the nation's military capacity to deliver on that strategy. To close this gap, the government will have to make difficult choices. All investments should be prioritized by their importance to U.S. interests. According to the authors, the top priority is improving nuclear deterrence. After bolstering nuclear deterrence, the question will be how the U.S. should use its remaining resources. The aim is to ensure that any aggression that endangers U.S. interests in critical regions will fail, but also to help allies do more for their own defenses and the collective defense. The report also delves into U.S. preparedness in the event of a major war, such as a Russian attack on the Baltics, full-scale fighting on the Korean Peninsula, or the U.S. coming to Taiwan's defense against China. In these cases, U.S. posture and readiness will be the decisive factors.